there is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Okay, party people of the ether space, uh, welcome to another enjoyable, uh, contemplative episode of the uh, Paranoia Podcast. I am Olaf Phillips. I publish some magazine called Paranoia, and on the line I have Ron Patton. Ron? Hey, how's it going out there? <laughs> that was a great <laughs> intro, Ron. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm the uh, editor-in-chief of uh, Paranoia Publishing, soon to be Paranoia Media, by the way. <laughs> yes. I know you, you don't know that, but it's going to become Paranoia Media. Uh-oh, I think there's a phone call in my future. Yep, stay tuned. <laughs> and tonight we're we're really pleased and honored to have Alana Freeland on. Uh, Ron's going to do the bio, but you know Alana is an amazing researcher. She's written some amazing books, and uh, I really want to get get down into this stuff because I mean she knows. That's all I can really say. I mean you know, <laughs> Ron mm-hmm. bio. Well, actually, I'll just talk from experience. I met uh, Ilana. In the early 2000s, and uh, probably right around 2000, by the way. And uh, we met at Traditions Cafe, and you were showing um, The Sleep Room, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, right. And and actually, I, I think you initially responded, or I responded to you, there was something in the newspaper... Um, in the Olympian, and I thought, wow, I should meet this person if she's going to be talking about this mind control stuff, which I was really into for a number of years. And uh, so we talked and we collaborated. Then we decided to do a uh, work on a mind control magazine called MKZine, which... uh, uh, had to do with course of mind control, invasive human experimentation, and other related abuses. But uh, I was just really fascinated with Ilana's mind in the sense that she had a really good grasp of not just sort of what's going on in the world, you know, on the surface, but some of the deeper uh, esoteric aspects of of manipulation and you know why things are the way they are today um sort of like peeling an onion and finding out you know the truth gets a little bit deeper and deeper but anyway so that's how i met and uh it's been you know we've had uh, some great years together you were also involved with paranoia magazine right yeah for a while i th- i think i was your editor yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, I believe. What are, uh, what are titles? Yeah. 
I know, I know. So, yeah, basically when I uh, took over Paranoia in 2012, I asked Ilana Freeland to be my editor. And so you did that for a few years. And then you went on to uh, uh, write some books. And uh, you were involved with uh, – weren't you involved with uh, James Shelby Downard book? Yes. Um, when I was living in England, um, I had the manuscript that Michael A. Hoffman II had published uh, done by Shelby before he died. And it was his autobiography. Uh, and truthfully, it was so badly written, I couldn't read it. So I just decided mm -hmm. on my own that I would edit it as I went. And that's what I did. And then it occurred to me that perhaps I should let Adam Parfrey at Farrell House know that I had edited it because I know Adam had met Shelby. And, uh, you know, Shelby was a giant to him and to Michael Hoffman and to me, though I had never met Shelby on this side. So I um, contacted Adam and he said, send me the manuscript that you've edited and mm -hmm. send me the old manuscript so that I can check and see what you did. And so I did that. I mailed it from England and um, he did use it. And uh, he said, you know, I wish if it makes any money, you'll get some. But uh, apparently the book never made any money because uh -huh. people just don't realize how uh, valuable Shelby's 1930s, 40s, 50s insight into Freemasonry in the United States really is. I mean, that is the book to go to to see what it was, how how much like the mafia it was right. in those uh, decades. Uh, right. So anyway, that's how I, I did that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when I got back to the States, then um, Adam asked me if I, th if I thought I could write a book on chemtrails. And that's how the uh, chemtrails harp and the full spectrum dominance of planet Earth uh, happened. Right. So let's get back to mind control and what sparked your interest or what was sort of the impetus for you to do uh, sort of more research into that realm of well, mind control? Ron, remind me, remind me of the year. You're good at this. Uh, the year that I showed the sleep room downtown Olympia. Actually, I, I think it was at 2000. I believe it was around 2000, as a matter of fact. Okay. All right. So for the previous, um, let's see, for the previous seven years, since 1993, mm -hmm. I had been working on a series of um, a books that I eventually called Sub Rosa America. And mm. what I was doing is with the, the, at that time, the computer and internet were just happening. And I was on the net a lot, uh, researching the deep state as it's known now. Uh, right. and, um, that's when I came across MK Ultra in those years. Mm -hmm. So seven for seven years, I'd been researching deep stuff for my Sub Rosa America series. Mm -hmm. That's how I got involved. Because one of the, I don't know if you remember the story, Ron, but when I started uh, that novel 
it turned it's a novel it's a five novels actually in mm-hmm. a series but but it's all the same story and it's all really a history of uh, the United States since Kennedy's assassination and um it it began with me writing a short story about two friends of mine who were killed by the mafia in the 60s uh, mm-hmm. on a drug on a drug uh, thing and in the middle of the story suddenly these two characters showed up in my imagination and i had not a clue who they were, but I, I could see them very well. And uh, one was a Native American man, and the other one was a, a European with a sort of French, uh, Eastern European accent. So mm-hmm. I, uh, being the way I am, I went to the library and asked the reference librarians uh, for some books, and I started researching and um, and eventually came up with two of the um, their minor characters, but very important minor characters. One being Saint Germain, uh, mm-hmm. very very famous, the the famous time traveler Saint Germain, right. and the other being uh, a Native American man named Ghost Bear, who was a Lakota Indian. Uh, so you know, it began weirdly in that when I began to research at the library, I realized. I had to write this history because of that day I spent with Kennedy, John Kennedy, in the Rose Garden when I was um, 15, 16 years old. Right. Uh, and uh, this, these books are really all about what's happened to America since Kennedy's assassination. Right. Actually, and I was able to read uh, your books, your series, Sub Rosa America, and when I was reading it, I'm thinking, this should be a TV series. I mean, it's just so riveting, and it has a lot of historical context attached to it. Uh, I mean, somebody like Bryce Zabel, I could see him producing some something like that. Do we, but, need, uh, yeah. do we need to get him on the horn? Uh, yeah, I think that would be great. Just because, you know, again, it it gets into so many things that are... I mean, it's it's not a total fiction per se, no. but at the same time, it, it just uh, it's this long winding journey, and these people are involved in all these various types of synchronicities, and uh, uh, but it it sort of eludes and also goes directly into a lot of history from the time JFK was assassinated until now. Right, and it was—it's all happening in the future because this is a 1970 right. uh, that these young people are traveling Route 66 on their way to Dallas to see where Kennedy was shot, and um, at the same time, the U.S. military is running a time experiment in the desert, and they—they they come into that uh, and are meeting dreamers, dead people, uh, and uh, uh, various uh, and sundry characters from the future and it is during that journey that they decide that it is no longer good enough to just live a personal life in the United States of America so yeah I I, um, I mean it's it's it is America it's the story of America it should be on the bookshelf right next to Howard Zinn's book the people's history of the United States uh, and and you know and it has a small readership because uh, I got so involved in the chemtrails movement that 
I haven't really had time to market or or really make any effort to make sure people out there know it's there other than that it's on Amazon. Right. Right. So that was sort of the, your your beginning in yeah. terms of doing doing the research and having an interest and understanding of, of mind control and uh this mass manipulation of human consciousness. Uh, what were, who are some of the individuals that you uh, uh, looked up to and respected in terms of, uh, you know, disseminating information on uh, mind control? Well, the person who comes to mind right away is Walter Boert's mind control, mm-hmm. a huge uh, uh, spiral-bound manuscript I had of it then. Mm-hmm. I went very thoroughly through that. I mean, I was reading Michael A. Hoffman the second. I mm-hmm. was corresponding with Michael until it, he cut me off, and right. then um, I was reading Jim Keith. Um, any, and then when I met you, I remember you were able to turn me on to a lot of things that I hadn't. Uh, really known about uh, because mm-hmm. you'd been in that field for quite a while yourself and I was I just wanted to mention that I the impetus to really learn about mind control uh, it began with a character in the book whom I call Baby Rose she is an MK Ultra, and she is modeled on I think by then I had read the book on Candy Jones who's right. considered one of the first CIA um, uh, agents, uh, oh. MK Ultra style. And um, so that was really important. And then I became friends with a local psychiatrist uh, that you and I both know, Ron, and who mm-hmm. was actually doing deprogramming uh, of MK Ultra military style program people. So, um, you know, it's it just was surrounding me. And it was oh, only yeah. after I got back from England um, this last time that um, I tried to get Navy brat insurance because my father had been an officer in the U.S. Navy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was only while I was on the phone with that person that I I learned that my father had been uh, ONI, Office of Naval Intelligence, Mm -hmm. a scientist for them. He was an inorganic chemist. He taught at University of Missouri. And he would go on long trips and a a lot of trips. And I realized Mm -hmm. that he uh, had actually been ONI all all his life. Um, And that that was a a real mind blower for me because a lot of the mind control um, that uh, research that I've done really, I think, is tied to my own biography because mm-hmm. my father was nuts mm-hmm. and um, he was brilliant and very sick uh, and and I was greatly damaged by him. Uh, and it's, it, it's just amazing to me how I've heard this from other writers that mm-hmm. you will go in the direction uh, that you need to go because of, um, of unanswered questions in your own biography. And it sure was mm-hmm. true for me. Right. And uh, I remember the times where we were just having these long discussions about mind control and human experimentation and ritual abuse. And 
you know, at the time we were both living, I mean, you're still residing in, in Olympia. Um, but Olympia, Washington, just that area just seems so inundated with, you know, ritual abuse and mind control survivors. I've never been to another place in the country where it had that kind of vibe. Uh, would you agree or? Oh, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, I don't follow it anymore, but from my psychiatrist friend, I've definitely learned of many satanic rituals going on in Mm. our local capital forest up in Shelton, uh, uh, Washington, which is just a few miles up the road. You'll Mm. find a lot of Mexico license plate and plates. And there are really uh, quite a few uh, SRA uh, types there. Mm-hmm. So uh, why is it, um, you know, I, I more and more am tending to think of the earth magnetism of certain places. I mean, you mm-hmm. think of the ley lines and, and mm-hmm. uh, the, the hen- Stonehenge in England and uh, different places of power. And I, I really can feel it here that there's a sort of a sort of murky power here. Yeah, and well, it's a Masonic that, strangle. It was a, the Freemasons founded Olympia, hence the name of yes. Olympia, the Greek goddess, right? Right. And then Dan Evans, uh, Senator Dan Evans, was involved in the founding of Evergreen State College. And mm-hmm. um, and Dan Evans was definitely CIA connected. So there's a lot of, of, of mind control type stuff mm-hmm. up here. But I know it's not the only place in the country by far. I know. I know. It just seems like it's just so saturated and it's not a a huge city by any means. Of course, it's the capital of Washington state, but it just seemed like I met so many uh, mind control or ritual abuse survivors there, you know, over the years. And uh, the interesting thing, too, is that when mind control survivors go through Olympia, you know, there's several people we know, they don't like it. <laughs> they, they don't like the vibe, you know, and they right. can tell that there's something amiss about it. So, um, yeah, it's just a very interesting place from from a lot of different levels. Well, are there um, are there any military bases in that area that were involved? State oh, hospitals? Yeah, very good point. I mean, we have the uh, Joint Base, JBLM, uh, Joint Base, uh, Fort Lewis, um, what's the name of the McCord Air Force Base? It's it's just down the road, not even 30 miles, Mm -hmm. and it surrounds Olympia. I mean, it encroaches on Olympia through uh, the town right by us called Lacey. So uh, military, yes. In fact, I can say with uh, that it is true. JBLM is now the primary um, uh, training center for special forces. And if anyone knows about special forces, you know that's mind control. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's here in spades. And as far as the hospital, <coughs> that would be St. Peter's Hospital. Mm-hmm. And I certainly have met people who've been messed with in the psych ward. Right. Also at Stilicum uh, Hospital as well, which is right next to uh, Fort Lewis, the Stilicum right. Mental State Hospital. Um, but yeah, the, the interesting thing too, uh, Olaf, about uh, that area, um, 
and about Fort Lewis is there's been a couple of these like recent mass shooters uh, that were stationed at Fort Lewis who were, you know, snipers or sharpshooters. Um, also, I believe back in the uh, the uh, late 70s or early 80s is when uh, the 1st Earth Battalion was formed there before they were transferred out over to Fort Bragg. And the number of suicides out there of these guys who are doing one tour after it were doing one tour after another in Iraq and Afghanistan is staggering. We have the largest suicide rate at this this base of any base in the country. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, here, yeah. not not far away from where I'm at, uh, we have the Vacaville uh, State Mental Institution, which was involved in Ultra. You know, we have Stanford SRI. I mean, we, you know, yes. here in the Bay Area, we, Hamilton, I mean, we've got our own kind of attachment to it as well. Oh, well, I think I think of the Bay Area as uh, Mind Control Central in the yeah. 60s. Absolutely. And Vacaville, you know, that's not just the S. Uh, what was the name of the uh, the kidnapping of Patricia Hearst? I mean, right. the SLA was the there. The yes. Liberation Army. Brains, yeah. yeah, their brains were operated on. And when I yeah. was helping uh, Joanna Harcourt Smith write her autobiographic book about her years with Timothy Leary as mm-hmm. his significant other, it became obvious to me that when Tim was transferred to Vacaville that they messed with him. Because when he came out, he was a starseed uh, cosmic pioneer suddenly from going uh-huh. from Mr. LSD guru to that. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, you are you are in the thick of it, Olaf, down there. Oh, yeah. We had Operation Midnight Climax. I mean, the the People's Temple, Jim Jones, I mean, it was founded here. So and I'm not surprised that the People's Temple was founded in San Francisco. I mean, it's smack in the middle of between uh, Stanford SRI and Vacaville. So yeah, and that's exactly the stuff I go into in depth in the Sub Rosa America series. I mean, it really is a book. Yes, it's American history. There are many historical events that are discussed, Mm -hmm. but it's really about the MK ultraizing of the United States, beginning with the Kennedy assassination and and how Lee Harvey Oswald was set up, and you you know went through a hypnosis program and. was MK'd in Japan. So, uh, you know, it, this, it's rife. It's rife ever since uh, Alan Dulles signed off on it in 53. And uh, even before that, it had already begun. Mm-hmm. So, you know, getting, getting back to uh, the magazine that we put out back in 2003, what, what were some of the... Um, Interviews, uh, which you did several, that really stood out. Whether they, well, there, did, uh, yeah, you know, there, are, there are two or, that are okay. so important, Ron. So mm-hmm. important, and you know they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one uh, with Diana Napolis. Yes. Uh huh. And uh, and then the other one I think of is uh, with uh, with Marion Knox. Uh-huh. And and with with Diana, um, I always get sad. And oh yeah, you know, yeah, because this is this was Curio uh, in the nineties. Curio Jones. 
Curio Jones on the net, and mm-hmm. she was exposing uh, Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino at that time, who is now a general, a retired general of the U.S. Army. Uh, and Aquino is the one who wrote Mind Wars for mm-hmm. the Army. Uh, and, you know, it was basically Mr. MK Ultra with a stamp of approval by the Army. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Diana was destroyed by this man and mm-hmm. his minions. Uh, and um, I know that the last chapter that I can remember is when you went you went to her house and uh, knocked and tried to raise yeah, someone. La Mesa, California, which is a suburb of San Diego. Yeah, and no one answered. And yet it well, was I, knew, I knew somebody was in there, but they just didn't answer. Sadly. Yeah, I mean, she, she was beautiful. She was brilliant. She had a good heart. She was exposing mm-hmm. all the pedophilia uh, uh, satanically uh, involved with uh, of Aquino, and right. they went after her with a vengeance. Mm-hmm. So that interview was during that period before she went nuts from right. what they did to her, and then with Ola, with uh, with uh, Marion, he Knox. was. Yeah, Marion Knox, a minister from Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, was basically doing exorcisms of MKs uh, mm-hmm. in his home. Uh, he and his wife were just like uh, like a couple of grandparents, weren't they? Just like oh yeah, I loved going yes. over there and just hanging out and having dinner and then spending the night. It was like going to your grandparents' house. They were just exactly. They just exuded so much, you know, love and goodness and uh, good meals, too. And it's hard to imagine uh, Marion, you know, rebuking Satan and driving him out of people's minds. I mean, (laughs) um, he he was pretty effective, actually. Yes, he was. He was because he understood he he had the, the keys he understood both the spiritual part of it and then also the, uh, you know, other manifestation to an extent. You know, there were certain things that I didn't agree with. Some things are kind of problematic, but uh-huh. I think because he had a really good heart and, you know, he had good intentions to help people, he had a lot of success or other so-called deprogrammers couldn't even touch these individuals. That's right. Yeah. No, he understood. I mean, I do believe if we went in a little more deeply into what Mm -hmm. mind control is, I do Mm -hmm. believe that there's a certain level beyond which you are looking at entities and Mm -hmm. possession. And and Marion understood that and uh, that he would do it through Jesus Christ. I Mm -hmm. mean, What's wrong with that? I mean, that's one of the the greatest. I remember living in Santa Fe and talking to a native shaman who used to come into town now and then, and we would talk. And he said that whenever he was up in the stars and he got in trouble, Uh he always called on Jesus Christ because this is this solar system belongs to him, he said. So that's a Native American shaman who's not a Christian by any means, but he recognizes spiritual power where it is and isn't Uh all hung up on religious terms. 
Right. Interesting. I've never heard that before. Yeah, and during that uh, that interview with Marion, uh, we talked about sodomy, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just funny to me how uh, I'm known to many people for that interview. Uh, it because the interview was very shocking to people to read, uh, right. because Marion was very very frank about it and didn't. Uh-huh pull any punches. Uh, And what he was talking about was really the impact of uh, what is known as anal intercourse on uh, on the first chakra, and mm-hmm. uh, he 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 wasn't by any means a Hindu, uh, familiar with you know old Vedic texts or anything. But Marian right. knew that uh, that sodomy had a tremendous power over mm-hmm. uh, one's existence, and of course it is used by pedophiles and by uh, definitely satanic ritual abusers. Uh, mm-hmm. It is one of the most powerful uh, forms of abuse that they use. So I, mm-hmm. I've, I've actually gone, I, I went down a, to a, a town in Oregon and gave a talk on chemtrails. And after it, two young men came up to me and thanked me for that, that interview with Marion Knox and told me it had changed their lives. And they were a gay couple. Wow. That's pretty uh, profound. It was great. I couldn't believe it. I I mean, you know, I expected a question about uh, chemtrails, but no, no. It's something. It's my other hat. Mm -hmm. Didn't you also uh, talk to another uh, mind control survivor, um, Kathleen Sullivan? Oh, yeah. I became friends with Kathleen and right. helped her to edit edit her wonderful book, uh, Unshackled. Right. Uh, Kathleen has be, is one of the most admirable MK Ultra survivors I know mm-hmm. because she has she finished graduate school she did her own deprogramming through a variety of uh, therapies and then she did grad school and now she's a social worker uh, and um, you know has picked up the threads of of a life that uh, I, I I just can't get over how uh, the the stamina and the integrity and and courage of some of these MK uh, ultra survivors whom I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was uh, Carol Roots, I believe, too, uh, an MK ultra survivor who wrote a book called A Nation Betrayed. Um, and I, I, that was that was uh, very interesting in that, um, yeah, it's called A Nation Betrayed, the true and chilling story of secret Cold War experiments performed on our children. And uh, it was very credible because it had a lot of uh, primary source documentation that she got from the Freedom of Information Act. Um, yeah. Olaf, you have anything you would like to add? Well, I'm I'm interested in this uh, this topic that you guys brought up about the mind control and entities. Mm-hmm. I I have never heard that before, so I was wondering if you could go into more detail about the connection of, of deep mind control and and this the possible presence of entities. 
Well, if you, you know, I, Ron and I both have uh, a, an MK Ultra survivor friend, Elisa, and mm-hmm. Elisa um, ha- is very familiar with that topic of entities, ha- having lived it herself, uh, and having um, done a great deal of her deep deprogramming uh, herself. Um, it's it seems evident to me one of my favorite films uh, and I'm not a Catholic and never have been is the or Exorcist uh, I, I'm always fascinated by that film because whoever did that film and I don't remember who it was uh, really understood something about possession and um, when I think of possession I don't really think of uh, the cross and uh, Satan and, and the mm-hmm. typical stuff. But I, I do know that uh, from my years of study in Rudolf Steiner, that uh, we have, besides our physical body, we have subtle bodies and um, the etheric body, the astral body, uh, the etheric double, the astral double. Mm-hmm. Uh, these these are all uh, subtle bodies um, on a frequency that uh, our physical bodies are not on. They're on a much higher frequency. And if you are abused uh, in childhood in, in a, a particularly dramatic way, painful way, you can tear those bodies and because they're on a frequency that is much finer than our dense physical bodies are on, then um, entities that also resonate at that same frequency can actually access you through those tears Mm -hmm. in those subtle bodies. And they enter. And uh, I think some of the stories of Jesus, if you read in the New Testament, you see how he he again and again will ask the spirit what its name is. In other words, what is your signature? What is your frequency signature? What how would I call you if I were going to invoke you? And they uh, in in the Bible, anyway, they seem to have to give him their name. And once he has their name, their signature, their frequency signature, mm-hmm. he can then take those out of those people that they're possessing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he sends them into a herd of swine and whatever else. Uh, that, that just all makes great sense to me because since I've been writing the chemtrails harp uh, type things, and I just finished a book on the space fence, um, I'm, I'm constantly translating frequencies, pulses, electromagnetics, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and the idea that entities, uh, for example, CERN is, uh, I feel, uh, through its instrumentation, and you're, you're familiar with Anthony Patch, I know, uh, they are opening a portal and uh, inviting a- antimatter in mm-hmm. and uh, antimatter will have its own frequency and antimatter entities will have their own frequencies uh, you know different from matter uh, right. frequencies of, of actual incarnated people like you me Ron so uh, it doesn't seem that far-fetched to me and uh, I don't have to go into a big Catholic scene in order to imagine that 
we are all grappling with entities. Wilhelm mm. Reich talked about them. He talked about right. entities. Uh, 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 the Reich technology can help with those. I mean, he he basically said that uh, that we would experience an emotional plague because we're surrounded by radio frequency now. We're surrounded by electromagnetic energy, and it's actually too much and it's it's going to show itself through emotion an emotional plague and so he wanted to give us some tools mm-hmm. uh, with orgone to help us uh, to avoid that uh, trevor constable wrote the book the cosmic pulse of life and that's one of my favorite books and i was communicating with trevor before he died and in that book, he goes into Rudolf Steiner, he goes into Ruth Drown, he goes into Wilhelm Reich, but he has photographs done with infrared film of entities flying around in our atmosphere, little blobby looking guys, uh, big blobby looking guys, uh, long projectile looking guys. And, and you realize that, oh, okay, they don't have physical bodies, they have plasma bodies, which is a bit more refined. And right. so I think the entire world, uh, including the psyche, uh, is <laughs> is filled with entities. And it's just a matter of us really being able to recognize the signatures of these entities or taking authority over them. In the case of Marion Knox, he would take <laughs> authority over them and right. force them out of these people who are suffering. And they would definitely feel relief. So um, that's how I look at it anyway, Olaf. Well, it's it's interesting because one of my favorite books that um, Nick Redfern wrote was a book called The Collins. Well, it was about the Collins elite. Are you familiar with the book? Um, say it again. The Collins. The Collins, the Collins elite. No. Should I write it down? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the reason is is that. Redfern, he's an excellent writer, and he does very thorough research. And he had a friend who is an Episcopal priest, I believe, and the guy came to him and said, you know, he had he had been in contact with a with a, a man who was part of a top secret uh, government program called the Collins Elite. And long story short, you should read the book. But long story short is that it was a government funded. Um, project, I guess you'd call it, with a group of scientists where they were trying to open gateways into hell and they were trying to summon entities and they were trying to do some things that were deeply metaphysical. But their objective was to to conjure, literally conjure in the occultish sense, to conjure entities into play around with the occult. Oh, I think he's absolutely right. And you do too, <laughs> right? I mean, that's the military today. I mean, it, it, just the fact that Michael Aquino could achieve so much as a general, and mm-hmm. he's a practicing Satanist and the head of the uh, Temple of Set. I mean, it, it just speaks volumes. And I think the military mind would look at it this way. They would see that there was, uh, you know, it wasn't just men staring at goats, but yeah. that they could they could actually penetrate other levels of existence because everything, if you eventually know its frequency, you realize that the entire universe is nothing but frequency and you Mm -hmm. can access 
access those if you have the right instruments. I think that's what has sent them deeply into a Satanism. I mean, I see some of the rites that are practiced among uh, practiced among special forces uh, during their mind control uh, programming, and uh, and and it's uh, it's evil. What can I say? It's anti. And how do I define evil? It's anti-human. Uh-huh. It's absolutely anti-human, and that's uh, that—that's the direction that the military has been going in for many decades now. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you know, you, we talked about Marion Knox. Um, you also talked about Rudolf Steiner. Are there other uh, either deprogrammers or deprogramming methodologies or techniques? that you've uh, uncovered or um, know that actually helps people that are have been subjected to mind control or ritual abuse? Well, I do believe in, even though there are problems with it, I do believe in uh, my psychiatrist friend, uh, Dr. Jean Cavendish's um, virtual pr- uh, approach to deprogramming. And what, what it is, is because the mind control doctors use virtual reality uh-huh. to program people who are either and or hypnotized uh, and... Um, and drugged, and now they can use electromagnetic devices like the fMRI uh, and the EEG. They use all of these things, the PEP. Um, they can um, push the consciousness of the person in a certain direction, and then, and then it can be. Um, Oh, they they can see aliens in the room. They can see greys. They can see reptilians. They can see uh, their uncle Harry, who died a uh, hundred years ago. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's just endless if you know which portions of the brain are to stimulate, uh, and uh, and that that in in itself is using virtual the virtual to program people so what she does is she sets up a virtual reality in, in her office for a person deprogramming beginning with a uh, getting a safe place asking them to find their safe I've sat in on several sessions so I know asking them to uh, get in a safe place and once they have their safe place she says I'm going to give you a virtual computer and I want you to tell me what color uh, it is when you turn it on and so then the for a moment, they'll do that. They're in a sort of semi-state of consciousness, not hypnotized at all, but just sort of relaxed and, and a little bit down in there. And so they'll tell her the color, and then she'll tell them that she, next to the computer, she's going to place a platform, and the plat- on the platform is going to be a vat of acid. And uh, and then she's, she'll say, all right, now let's just take a look around. Um, do you see anything on the computer let's see if the computer has any programs that really have nothing to do with who you are Mm-hmm. And then the person will just stare at the screen. She'll remind them again and again, don't think it, don't right. think about anything, just look at the screen. And it'll be amazing what comes up for these people. And then she, if it's not their program, if it's not theirs, she'll say, would you like to move it into the vat of acid and be done with it? 
And then she'll ask, but tell me, um, first of all, do you have any programs that may endanger you if we begin to put it in the vat of acid? And then the person will, if there's suicide programming in there, which in most MK ultras there is, then they can stop and take care of that one, mm-hmm. take it mm-hmm. out put it in the vat of acid, and then move on. So she's meanwhile then taking meticulous notes so that she remembers where they've been and what they've said so that she can she can guide them um, like a good guide in the virtual world. And this, uh, this is a very unique program, uh, a unique uh, program. Ooh, maybe it is a program. A unique deprogramming. Uh, that I uh, really would like to see written in a book so that people mm-hmm. could experiment with it because I think a lot of therapists are in a in a rock and a hard place uh, position where they're doing therapy uh, but they always hit a wall. I mean that's the problem with programming. Yeah. Any therapist will hit the wall and won't know what to do about it mm-hmm. because they're just you know it's not included in the DSM five. Oh no. Uh, and it's not included in med school or anything. So um, it's it, this type of programming Gene Cavendish learned from Ron. Do you remember the name of that minister in Idaho yes. who's doing yes. this? Uh, um, Stephen Ogilvy from Boise, Idaho. Stephen Ogilvy began yeah. this, yes. Okay. And he was having great success, and she went and studied with him and mm-hmm. has been doing it ever since. Right, right. And then there's uh, other um, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists that do things that are similar. Uh, There's uh, Dr. Colin Ross and uh, also Dr. Jerry Mangadze. They um, I think Mangadze is in out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, Dr. Ross is in Toronto, I believe. And they have uh, clinics for people that are uh, have a dissociative identity disorder. But then you also have this whole uh, mind control system or program that you have to deal with. And it, it always sort of amazed me that yeah, there are people that I believe have multiple personality disorder or what they call dissociative identity disorder through trauma at a young age. But then when you add in the whole mind control component, you have a totally different uh, thing you're going up against. And that's why it's been so difficult for so many years because, I mean, you got to face it, these programmers were geniuses. And so they tried to figure out ways to where there's nobody that could deprogram them or, you know, be able to make them whole again, you know, because of their own pride. But it's also uh, there's a big caveat that has to be said in the context of what we're discussing in that many therapists uh and seeming deprogrammers may actually be reprogrammers. Yes, uh, definitely. And this is this is really uh, a terrible uh, dilemma for mm-hmm. the uh, person who awakens at some point down the road and says, "Oh my God, I was programmed. Um, I know I was. What mm-hmm. do I do now?" Because if you go to the wrong therapist. 
um, you can end up being reprogrammed, which truthfully I do believe is the case of Kathy O'Brien, who is with Mark Phillips. Right. Um, I, uh, I, I really feel for people of where the safe place to go is, uh, and I think it's a, a hit or miss. And they that if anyone listens to this program, who is MK Ultra, I think they need to proceed slowly and cautiously, and mm-hmm. possibly even taking a friend with them to a therapeutic session uh, to just get another opinion on on how things are, what's going on. Uh, I, I mean, it's just, uh, it's a, I, I really have a feel for that now, Ron, having known as many MK Ultras as I have, that, of how scary it can be to realize that you're actually being reprogrammed. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, at that, around that same time, you know, when I got into it in the early 90s, I was uh, hanging out with Fritz Springmeier and Cisco Wheeler, and they had befriended uh, Mark Phillips and Kathy O'Brien. But it was just so weird because it was almost like the same script. But with, with Fritz and Cisco, it was more of a religious script, right? Uh-huh. Um, and, and then and there uh, are scripts, with Mark yeah. Phillips. Yeah. And so, and that whole thing imploded, right? And uh, then I read the book uh, um, by Bryce Taylor, Thanks for the Memories. And right. her situation with her daughter was almost identical to Kathy O'Brien's. And their names were the same, and they were being taken over by the city. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute, you know? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a repeat. Yeah. Yeah and, I, yeah, and I think for her, too, it's a reprogramming situation. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it was just really, uh, to me, it was just sort of literally <laughs> mind-blowing in the sense that, you know, you know, you trust these people initially, and then you're 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 seeing all these uh, holes, so to speak, all these red flags. And so, I was fortunate to sort of like part my, you know, be able to get away from these folks when I did, just because, uh, well, on an intuitive level, it just didn't feel right. But then, you know, their actions were uh, a lot different than what their. Uh, intentions were, I guess. And Mm -hmm. I saw the uh, sort of the uh, detrimental or or negative impact they were having on other people. And so I guess when you start seeing a trail of discord and division, um, you know, left, you you just kind of have to question these people's motives. And uh, definitely it was a very interesting time. And it, I think that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to put out uh, something like MKZine is because there was there was just so many spurious and and just a lot of disinformation on the subject of mind control that I thought it was important to put out something that was uh, uh, more objective. And you have now recently republished the issues we did manage to do, right? Oh yeah, it's in a, a book format. Through Paranoia Publishing. Oh, and the other thing, too, is we're also uh, reprinting um, or have reprinted Operation Mind Control by Walter Bauer. 
Oh, fantastic. And actually, mm-hmm. we uh, we published the research edition, which is the mm-hmm. expanded version. It's like 720 pages. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, that's well worth having. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a question. So you were you were talking about the the suicide programming. So in in relation to that, there, there's always that. I don't know if it's an urban legend or it's something just that people talk about that when some of these uh, MK Ultra people are activated, that when they complete their program, that they use the uh, catcher in the rye, that they're found either carrying the catcher of the rye or they're reading the catcher in the rye or the catcher in the rye is in their house. What's the significance of the catcher in the rye? Well, the catcher in the rye um, programming, and that's what it is. It's a certain kind of programming. I don't pretend to know how they have used that story format to shape the the programming. It, it but I have noticed that it's primarily used with male. Um, sleepers and I have wondered about that I've also wondered about the author of Catcher in the Rye and how isolated he was for so many years uh, and antisocial built a huge wall around his compound in uh, I can't remember upstate New York I believe um, and so that that was one program another program is Wizard of Oz programming another one is Alice in Wonderland programming. Um, I mean, they, they will utilize um, stories that, because uh, they're starting in childhood, right? They start in childhood. Uh, now, Catcher in the Rye, I don't know that that's a childhood uh, program. I assume that uh, it's used later uh, for because male programming Olaf is very different from female programming because the male is a different <laughs> species from a female and um, uh, so they they would use a different story format um, that's that's how I see it. Uh, I know that uh, it's very famous uh, as being, you know, Mark David Chapman had a copy when they picked him up. Uh, um, I can't remember who else. Do you remember, Ron? There are a few uh, sleepers who have had that copy, but none to my knowledge are female. Yeah, um, I can't like right now. I believe they're all male. Yeah, yeah they are. The other- and... Uh, what was the name of the author? Oh, yeah. So, Salinger. What's his? J.D. Salinger. Yeah, Salinger. Yeah. And, and his behavior, I watched a, a, a documentary on him, and it was, it was odd. Uh, it was, I mean, you know, it's a, writers are odd. I understand that. But in this case, um, everything about him was odd. And I, I really wondered uh, if he had been used because I personally feel that Stephen King is used. I've uh-huh. read about, you know, I've read about Stephen King uh, and his his writing. I, I love to read about writers. And mm-hmm. he has said again and again that it's like automatic writing for him. He, he mm-hmm. can, it's like the story arrives totally done. I think he's a CIA writer is what I think. Interesting. Interesting. Cause there's a, there's a, um, a person who I knew in, um, Olympia several years ago who said that, uh, she was, um, sort of enslaved by uh, Stephen King and his wife. And, you know, I just thought, oh, okay, yeah, right. But then, you know, she described very specifically what 
the uh, inside of his house was like and these very this very detailed information and mm-hmm. it's kind of like and then some of the books that he wrote too and some of the triggers within the books and I'm going well I mean I could probably believe that part but to have somebody that had such detailed information about you know uh, somebody like Stephen King you know I just sort of put it in the back of my mind and say hey that's a possibility but I'm I've sorry. also no I've, I've talked to other MK Ultra survivors who said that uh, Stephen King's uh, books are extremely triggering well you, you think about um, Michael Jackson I mean he was programmed yeah I mean okay. what what's the difference between that and a writer yeah. So to me, I've got Salinger at the top of the list. I've got Stephen King uh, right there. P.K. Dick, he definitely talked about being programmed. He gave all kinds of clues and hints in his books uh, mm-hmm. that people just thought was fiction. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, the fact that the CIA is uh, has a, a cultural tentacles uh in uh, that's a no-brainer uh that's how you control people Uh, the Mm -hmm. the fellow who used to publish on the internet who maintained that mark david chapman was a dead ringer for stephen king i really (laughs) looked into that and and i i think he's absolutely possibly right that stephen king was traumatized uh by being at the assassin site outside the Dakota Hotel Uh and either he pulled the trigger or Mark David Chapman pulled the trigger Uh both were in a mind controlled altered state and I think that when you study Stephen King the the incident he had with the guy with the truck who um, you know basically ran him down uh, saying that he was dealing with his dog and you start studying that and um, that was another incident it's as though they wanted to pull his chain now and then. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel for it. I feel for all these guys that right. they're 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 locked in with right. uh, devious agents who are utilizing their creative talents. Right. So we were basically talking about the MK Ultra type of mind control, and can you bring us to some of the more uh, current types of? Uh, mind control modalities uh, like electronic harassment and organized stalking. Right. I mean, I think um, if you if you just go back a little bit further, like the Mm -hmm. CIA writer, uh, I think his name was William Sargent, uh, when he went down to Haiti and uh, the Caribbean and started looking into voodoo and things. And and that's where they discovered that terrific CIA drug curare uh, and, and, uh, you know, use it on all kinds of people. If you look at ritual, it goes into religion. Uh, Every religion has rituals, some more primitive, so-called, than others, some blood rites, some um, using music to alter uh, consciousness and get you into an altered state, like, you know, rock concerts, uh, the Grateful Dead. I mean, you know, there are many ways to alter consciousness. And then you can always, in the music one, and I think they're using it, 
profusely now, you can then put some subliminals in. And then you've got a whole generation of people that you can manipulate with little effort electronically. Um, so there are many, many venues, uh, take for instance, Freemasonry, they have their own mind control. Um, Michael A. Hoffman said it's called Masonic apoplexy, and uh, it's an altered state. And when you read, uh, as I have, I've read several books on the Jack the Ripper uh, murders, uh, and you read about Jack the Ripper, uh, and you say, well, was he the physician, the Queen's physician, William Gull? Was he this guy? Was he that? Whoever it was, they were in altered consciousness. Uh, and they were th- a 33rd degree Mason. No question in my mind. So um, everybody has, uh, it's, it's old and uh, it's, it's now, then it, you know, when the CIA started, it's important to remember that, that they depended on uh, satanic cults for their, their first uh, subjects, so-called victims, <laughs> right. uh, because satanic cults since at least the 1700s have had the market cornered on, <laughs> on, uh, on dividing and, and shattering the personality into various pieces that can then be programmed separately for different functions. Uh, right. And they knew how to use pain induction. They knew how to use drugs. They knew how to use hypnosis uh, and, and rituals just to stand and be in a ritual where there is bloodletting, whether it's an animal or a person, is a, a, a consciousness altering. I don't know if you guys have ever been in an almost accident or watched one happen in front of you on the freeway or something, but I had that happen where I, I just, I'm amazed. I, I still ponder it now and then of how I watched a car flip uh, ahead of me and we were all slowed down by then but it went in like it was like a ballet it went very slowly and bounced 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 on its roof and uh-huh. it was like my consciousness was completely altered right there by nothing more than than my horror at watching someone's car flipping and them probably dying. So um, this this altering of consciousness, what they wanted was they didn't want to have to do all this hands-on stuff. The mm-hmm. EEG required all the little things pasted on your scalp. They didn't want to have to do the hypnosis. They didn't want to have to do the drugs. So And they didn't want to have to do the pain induction right there. Right. In you know, So take it out of the hospital setting, take it out of the clinic setting and make it remote, make it no touch torture, make it no touch mind control. And that's what's going on now. I I get calls from uh, abused uh, people, targeted individuals. Oh, I I, I don't know, um, 12, 14 calls a month. Uh-huh. Uh, how did, how do they find me? And how do they right. know that, uh, you know, that I, I know how it, that I believe them. So, um, now 
they can use a variety of uh, techniques. And of course, the guy to read in my book is uh, Dr. John Hall. Uh, he uh, has been targeted himself. He's very familiar with what low lifes are involved in it. He's right. uh, he wrote a book on satellite targeting. He's also written his more recent book, Guinea Pigs. I did notice that in his first, in the satellite book, he kept saying over and over, well, this isn't our government. This is criminals, and somehow they've managed to get the machines from our government. And I noticed right. that the guinea pigs book after that, he's talking about the government doing it's it all. The time. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, you know, so yeah. yes, it's no touch torture. It can be done from satellite. Uh-huh. It uh, usually uses a triangulation with cell towers yeah. and perhaps a laptop uh, and, a, and, of course, the cell phones that are essential to the lowlifes who, um, who are following people and breaking into their houses and raping them and that um, these these are uh, these cell phones are are altered and uh, they can trigger uh, I think all these all these people are MKs and I don't think they've had the sophisticated MK ultra programming but they've sure been programmed uh, maybe a, you know a bargain basement programming right for expendables sure. who are out there uh, making people's lives hell uh, mm-hmm. so yes MK Ultra. I, I like to say it's graduated to EMK Ultra. in other words electronic MK right. Ultra. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's another good book um, it's called uh, Project Soul Catcher by Robert Duncan and that really got into the whole mind hacking and mind uploading and uh yeah, it just really blew me away because we know a couple of people that that's happened to, and uh, both of their descriptions are just uh, astounding. What they what they perceive. Yes, I mean this this is called uh, he's remote neural monitoring is the term mm-hmm. now RNM, and um, I'm presently ghostwriting for a woman, a Chinese American woman, who um, is a BCI uh, experiment, a brain computer interface experiment. Oh, okay. So uh, they're, they've set up a modem. They've made her brain. They, she's had one nanobot uh, removed surgically uh, at a great expense and trauma and has two more in her brain that she's just not going to deal with because it's just too much. And she has another five or six in her body. So um, they what they're doing is they've turned her brain into a modem. In a way, um, she's the she's the means by which um, the computer uh, she's a human computer and um, he's storing his files uh, in her brain so sometimes she can see them in her mind's eye see whole pages of code and other times she'll see the code on the monitor of the computer Uh she's at because he'll he'll get a some sort of electric signal that she's going online and then he can uh, manipulate uh, how she uh, go makes her way through the computer via her brain um, 
so uh, I think a lot of people are now being used, and that's how I look at it, Olaf, is that these are experiments being made, and um, they they have a variety of experiments. And I was shocked when I uh, read reread uh, John Hall's Guinea Pigs book because he seems to think that in America alone, not counting Europe, there are six million people being experimented on in this way. Um, and it is uh, it is totally concentration camp stuff. This is uh, incarcerating you in your own apartment and um, and it's a travesty. It's a travesty and it's amazing to me how few people, certainly in Olympia, uh, believe that this is going on. They can't even wrap their heads around it. So it just floors me when, when you know, they uh, will talk about the Holocaust till the right. cows come home. Right. But they can't imagine that you could, uh, even despite wireless phones and wireless everything, mm-hmm. they cannot imagine that you could incarcerate someone in their own home and think of what they're doing with marginal populations, like mm-hmm. in prisons, like the homeless, like sure. in mental institutions. Mm-hmm. Just think, I mean, it's it's just staggering, the the crime. I mean, it makes the Holocaust look like nothing. Mm-hmm. It's very irritating to me, if you can't tell. Very irritating. So so how, how do you think Mill Lab fits into this? Well, you mean, do you mean the computer program? You mean the computer... That the military has going? No, the one where uh, people who are abducted, they believe they're abducted by aliens, the screen memories break down. Like by Dr. Helmut Lammer? Yeah, Yeah, my lab. I'm sorry, I pronounce it differently. My lab, yeah, my lab. My lab. Oh, yeah. Well, that that certainly, I, I guess my latest take on it is that the military is retro engineering actual abductions that have taken place on a plasma body level, on a psychic level, not a physical level, with um, entities that have access to, again, we're talking possession here, uh, that can access people through their psyches. And um, I... I, I have to say that because now that I've been doing this chemtrails thing, I've really studied plasma physics, and um, I understand the fourth state of matter much better now. And I really think that when Trevor Constable was filming these entities in the sky anyway, when the sky being almost like an ocean, a sea, mm-hmm. um, with with very sea-like looking creatures in it, and amoeb- amoebic looking creatures, um, that that they were in plasma bodies. They they are they can take any shape they want, um, and often they will take shapes that humans will think, oh, that's a that's a this or that's a that. Um, that's that's how I think of them. And and when I say them, I'm not talking about any any critters coming from Alpha Centauri. I'm really talking about earthbound creatures. Uh, what I would call instead of uh, uh, ETs, I would call them intra 
extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are in the Earth atmosphere and in the Earth itself and have been for billions probably of years or however long, uh, longer than we have. And um, and that sometimes they um, now that we have a an ionized atmosphere, um, like a like a huge antenna is what the way our atmosphere is. Mm-hmm. You haven't read my book, but take my word for it. Uh, and um, and now they they have uh, even a more ready atmos- uh, access to our environment. And now that we have all these heavy metals in our bodies on a nanoscale, we're breathing them in all the time, just billions and trillions of them. Um, they, they can actually access our bodies more easily too, because we're picking up these electromagnetic waves uh, that are constantly barraging us uh, from uh, military programs as well as our own cell phones and uh, power lines, etc. So um, I, I guess that's how I, I look at the the so-called ET. is an in, it's an intraterrestrial, mm-hmm. and its its body is primarily plasma. So these people who see themselves being uh, taken through walls and out through ceilings and into ships um, I think that they the in a plasma body they would they could easily be accessed uh, by mm-hmm. entities that I I have no idea um, quite you know I think there's a tremendous variety it's certainly mm-hmm. not just reptilians and uh, grays and that sort of thing uh, but uh, the military has attempted to copycat that mm-hmm. and uh, and they do their own abductions and um, and then they mess with people uh, genetically uh, you know, reproductively, uh, mentally, uh, and and uh, you know, it, if there is a great sin here, it lies with our military that uh, seems to believe that the end justifies the means, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you seem to have a lot of this crossover with uh, uh, mind control experiments and alleged alien abductions, you know, over the years. Yes, so. glad yes. you brought that whole off. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems to cross over quite a, quite a bit. And, you know, the screen memories, the some, the symbolism mm-hmm. of the owl that people claim mm-hmm. that they see, it just, it, you know, the screen memories breaking down. It just sounds very much like an MK kind of program. And, and also uh, the not to forget the abuse that small children go through um, with satanic cults and doctors and uh, psychiatrists and whoever uh, who have true knowledge of the brain and for example you know of the hippocampus and the amygdala uh, of the limbic brain they know what parts of the brain to damage in childhood Mm -hmm. so that that that's what this child will now see uh, aliens, uh, will see entities, will will do this or that. I mean, the knowledge of the brain, it's like uh, I think Obama called it, what was it, the year of the brain or whatever. I mean, it makes me cringe because I know what it really means. 
this is not all being done for, oh, we can help people with brain yeah, damage. Better it's not that, about that at all. Yeah. It's about control. It's about yeah. control over the human nervous system. And it's all leading to transhumanism. Uh, you know, it's, it's a Nazi approach to transhumanism as far as I'm concerned. And, um, and I really... I, uh, when I hear people talk about abductions, uh, I don't say much because I know they have the, I, I don't want to argue with them, you know, oh, well, that wasn't physical, you know, (laughs) that was plasma. Uh, they're not going to want to hear that from me. I know that because it was traumatic, Sure. Bottom line, traumatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was real, real, real. Just the way psychic events can be so real. Mm-hmm. Of course it's real. You know, this is not this is not playing games. But right. uh, but I, I do like to be a little exact. I would like to be exact about exactly what body is being toted out there and into right. a shit. Accessed. Right. Yes. And, and with the military, they have the means to take your physical body and make you feel like you're going through walls. No problem. So um, so, you know, is there a script involved with it or was it really uh, one of the intradimensional beings um, that that toted someone out. I mean, my grandson said that there was a ship outside his house uh, and that the, uh, the, the aliens inside the ship, he told me, wanted him to come. And I took him at his word that there was a ship outside his house. And I believed it was the interdimensional beings, uh, but I didn't, you know, bother him with that because he was eight years old and he finally told me that it had happened and then all I said to him was I said the next time they come for you you tell them that they have to come and get permission from your grandmother (laughs) and he was so happy that I had immediately believed him and then I told him about my experience because I had one of these entities come Mm -hmm. over my backyard one night and I think I had called it and I was out there in my lawn uh, on my lawn in my plasma body I would assume it was not my physical body. I was a, that was asleep upstairs, but I was totally awake and there. And that entity looked like a huge skate fish. I mean, about forty feet wide mm-hmm. and sixty feet long, maybe more. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at it, it was about twenty to thirty feet above me. And when it came over me, I felt the energy. It, it had a sound like like that. And, uh, and I felt the energy, but I felt completely energized by it. And I was holding my grandson, and I assume um, this was uh, this was a, I felt it was a situation that a lot of people have probably found themselves in. I was out there in my plasma body and I was holding my grandchild and he started going into like a little a little petite mall seizure. And so I said to the ship mentally, 
I said, stop that. Take your energy down. You're bothering my grandson. And because I took authority over it from the get-go, um, we had a very nice little grokking session of each other. <laughs> I did it, and it looked at me, and I could tell that there were conscious. There was something conscious on board. And then I realized it wasn't really a ship. It was a. It was an organism because it had um, skin. I could see it. I could see it up close. In fact, even though I was standing thirty feet below it it had skin like um, like sharks I used to dissect sharks in college in a University of Hawaii and so um, I uh, I then noticed that the wind I had thought they were windows but they weren't they were they were gills they were aureoles and it was breathing and so we just looked at each other and uh, then it ended and it cruised over me and then shot off like amazingly fast into the West. And then the next moment I was sitting up in bed and I was just exactly as awake as I had been outside. And I got up out of bed and went outside and stood there and I could feel the energy. I could still feel the energy Mm -hmm. and I was thrilled, but I learned something. I learned that you must keep authority over these entities Mm-hmm. If you don't, they might take you. Right. They might take you in your plasma body. Right. You know? Well, they, they can sense your fear and then they feed off that. and then. Yes, yes. And I had no fear. In fact, like I said, I feel like I called it. I really wanted to see one. And it's uh-huh. the only one I've ever seen. So. Right. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, we're at about an hour. Uh, which is our podcast. Um, Alana, yeah. why don't you tell everybody where they can find your books and more information? Okay. Um, for the Sub Rosa America books, they're on um, Amazon and you can buy them there. And then for the Chemtrails Harp and the Full Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth, which came out in 2014, uh, you can find that on Amazon or you can order it directly from Feral House. Um, The Space Fence book, and it has a title now, it's called Under an Ionized Sky from Chemtrails to Space Fence Lockdown. That will be out in September 2017. Um, and um, I will be probably organizing a book tour at that point. And now I'm starting the third book in that series, which I feel I have to write, and that mm-hmm. is on synthetic biology. Mm-hmm. And as bio- biology was my, my second major in college. I feel like I'll be on home territory, whereas with plasma physics, I really had to work hard mm-hmm. for uh, the Space Fence book. Yeah. Wow, that synthetic biology um, kind of rang a bell because I remember a few years ago uh, talking to Sophia Smallstorm about that. Yes, yes. So, and yeah, Sophia is wonderful in that part. area. Yes, very in-depth research. All right, Ilana, well, we thank you for being on an exciting edition <laughs> of 
Paranoia Podcast. We hope you come Thanks back again, and then we can, uh, you know, get back into talking about your other books as well. Okay. Thank you, both of you. Yeah, it was an honor to speak with you. I mean, I love your research, and this has been fairly mind-blowing for me. I'm not as knowledgeable about the MK stuff as you and Ron are, so this is really a learning experience for me. Oh, great, Olaf. It's really important that we know that this is going on. Many, many people are suffering from it. All right. Good night, gentlemen. Well, yeah, and uh, good night to our listeners. Uh, thank you again for listening to our show. Um, as always, you can find us at the uh, at paranoiamagazine.com, paranoiapublishing.com. Get Bo Art's book. It's, uh, it's staggering. And uh, get the MK Zine compilation. It's amazing. And you've been listening to two of the people that wrote for it. Um, oh, and what about the MK Ultra files, too? We have some of that. Yes, we we have uh, reprinted the the um, congressional hearing te- the congressional hearing testimony and record for the MK MK Ultra uh, congressional hearings. Uh, if you're interested in actually reading what went down in those congressional hearings, um, at least as much as has been released to the public. Mm-hmm. But as always, you know, uh, <clears throat> we really appreciate you listening in and and uh, be excellent to each other. Take good care and keep the faith. All right, night, guys. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide, was composed by Scott Moon. ScottMoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers is by Professor Elemental. ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at OSI74.com We are resuming control. For now.